Uh, welcome everyone to Wednesday Night Bible Study, uh, Epistle to the Romans, Part 5. Uh, let's begin in word of prayer. Lord God, we thank you again for bringing us together tonight, Lord, that we might study your word, that uh, you would give us uh, understanding, relation, application, uh, individually and corporately, Lord, as a body of Christ. So, Father, we thank you for those that are hearing via podcast or here uh, in person, Lord, or on their way, Lord. We also thank you, Lord, for those that uh, could make it, Lord, that uh, you be with all of us where we're at, Lord. Uh, strengthen us, encourage us, help us, heal us, guide us. In all of this, Lord, we give you thanks and praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we'll finish up chapter 5 and then go into chapter 6 today. Uh, Romans chapter 5, I'll be reading verse 15 to 21. Now remember, a lot of theology in here, so sometimes it gets a little bit wordy. Uh, so I'll kind of break it down, or if you want me to break it down more, just you know, just stop me. But I'm going to read this and then kind of go back and explain it. But it's basic theology. He's explaining... Uh, He's going to be explaining the difference between law and grace. He's going to be explaining the difference between original sin and uh, Jesus' work on the cross uh, in regards to sin. So, chapter 5, verse 15, the Romans. It says, But the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one of the many died... Much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions resulting in justification. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the, through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, capital O, Jesus Christ. But then, as through one's transgression, there resulted condemnation to all men. Even so, through one act of righteousness... There resulted justification of life to all men. For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. Even so, though the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. And the law came in that the transgression might increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. That as in, that as sin reigned in death, even so, grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Yeah, a little confusing there. You know, he's talking in circles somewhat. But the bottom line, what he's talking about is that Adam's sin, original sin, that's what he's talking about, many died. So that's original sin. So in other words, he's explaining the fact that we have original sin, we have sin. Because Adam sinned, that that brought sin into the world. Therefore, we are, are, that's the fall of humankind. 
So therefore, we are all born into sin. We are all capable of sinning. We are all sinners born into it. And so that's the many that he's talking about. And then the other point that he's making is he says there, the free gift. He's talking about the grace of God. He's talking about salvation. Salvation is a gift of God, right? Because we don't earn it. We don't work for it. It's something that's extended to us from God. So through Christ, the gift of grace saves many. So in other words, Adam's sin, many died through one person, but through the work of one person on the cross, many are now saved. Okay? So all humankind has has, has fallen. All humankind now has the gift extended to us uh, from God through Jesus Christ. It's up to us whether we want to uh, uh, receive what God is extending to us. And that's what he's explaining to him there. That's basically it in a nutshell. But again, he says the free gift. Or sometimes you'll say grace. Same thing. Grace is God's unmerited favor. It is something that is extended to us. That's why we are saved by grace alone. We don't work for it. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. It's not ours by birthright. It's not ours by uh, um, uh, geographical location, any of that stuff. Uh, All have fallen short of the glory of God. God so loved the world that he gave. He gave this free gift of grace through Jesus Christ with the opportunity for us to be forgiven our sins. And so again, Romans is Christianity 101, so he's going to make the case and labor the point, show why sin, where sin came from, how the law exposes sin, how sin is now taken care of through Jesus Christ. And uh, uh, so thoughts, questions on that? It's a little wordy, and that's one of the things with Romans is it can be a little wordy. So when you get to those passages that are like that, don't try and read too much. Just go slow and read a couple few verses and look at it, and then reread it and, and hold it in context to what he just said and then what comes after it, because it explains itself as it goes along. But he'll say it several different ways. He's saying the same thing. He's just saying it several different ways. And so sometimes we read it, and if we're not careful, we think, oh, wait a minute, what is he talking about now? But he's talking about the same thing. He's just saying it in a different in a different way. So, again, Adam sinned. Many died uh, because of that sin. Sin, the result is death. But through Christ and the free gift of grace, many are now alive, saved. That's what he's saying. We're either... They were dead because of sin. Now they're made alive through the gift of grace, through the atoning work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Okay, we good with that one? Okay. Now we're in chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. So now he says, after he said that, right? Because remember, when Romans, in, on all the, all the uh, epistles were written, and even the Old Testament... They were not written with chapter headings. Editors put those in a long time ago. This was just one long thing. I was just wondering that. Because like, when you put chapter headings, it gives the impression that, okay, moving on to the next subject. Yeah, no, and it's, and it's not. Because a lot of times, I, I remember when I was in uh, when I was in school, uh, yeah, I can remember that far back, they always said, you do not begin a sentence with the word and. 
If you look at chapter 5, verse 3, and is the first word there in my translation. So, you know, it's another verse, but it's actually, it's tied to verse 2. So, again, there, there were no chapter headings, none of that. It was just one long letter. And so, uh, where he shifts gears, you'll, you'll see it in the context of what he's saying. So, here now he's saying, what shall we say then? based upon what he just said in chapter 5. So, in other words, so what should we make of this, the fact that through one person all have sinned, uh, and that now grace is extended to us through one person, Jesus Christ. So what do we make of this, is what he's saying. So what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace might increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it. So in other words, he's 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 answering a question in, in in a sense with his own question because he's anticipating that people would say, okay, if he took away my sins, <coughs> therefore now I can just sin. I've got a I gotta get out of jail free card. Right? And he's saying no. What shall we say then? Are we to continue to sin that grace might increase? So in other words he says that because grace overcomes sin, he says, if the idea now is if I sin more, does that now mean grace is more? He says, no. That's, it doesn't work like that. And he says, may it never be. It says, how shall we who died to sin, how did we die to sin? Through Jesus' death, right? Through his atoning work on the cross. We died to sin still live in it. So in other words, it's part of our baptism, it's part of our change. It's not the fact that we, and we're going to get into it a little bit more, but it's not the fact that now all of a sudden we are sinless. No, we're still sinners. We're still capable of sinning. But now we can ask for forgiveness. But the important part is the part of repentance to turn away from that sin, to acknowledge that sin, to turn away from it and not continue to uh, live in it. Uh, and Paul says this in a couple other letters, uh, too. He says, you know, I don't sin just because I am forgiven. I, I we do not do that. So my point here is God's grace is not tied to sin. Now, now think about it. I'm doing theology. God's grace is not tied to sin. So in other words, God is not motivated by our sin. Because sin and God cannot coexist, right? So what motivates God? God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. And that's what Diego preached on on, on Sunday in the last two men's meetings. He's, he's been preaching on that. God's love. That's a motivating factor. That's the action. That's the motivation behind God's action. Right? So it's love. So in other words, you can't say, oh, God now is responding and is, 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 is sin is now making God do something. No. That sin is, is there. God so loved the world he gave. That's the free gift. So in other words, it's not like the devil made me do it kind of thing. No. God's independent of that. That's a theological point. Um, and so sometimes people get that a little misconstrued. So our sin does not motivate God. God is motivated by love. God so loved the world. That's why it says in John 3, God is love. 
That's the motivation behind his action, is love, not the sin. Because if we say it that way, then it means God is now tied and bound to sin, and sin is causing God to do something. God is the one who does everything on his own initiative, his own. Uh, God so loved the world. So, that makes sense? We good with that? Okay. Verse 3 to 6. It says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ, remember, baptized changed, have been baptized into Christ Jesus, have been baptized changed into his death. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, that our body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. So in other words, baptism, you're changed. The old, you lay it down, the new comes forth. We are changed. And I always say that our justification in saying that one day we will be raised from the dead is the fact that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. And as I think it was Sunday, we were talking about the Feast of First Fruits. He's the first of the resurrected. And so that means there will be a second and a third and a fourth all the way down the line until he, he returns. Okay, So that's what he's talking about, that we enter into his death. So what he's saying here is that if we've entered into his death and he's taken our sin from us, then we've also entered into his resurrection. And that becomes our justification. Again, this is just straight theology. This is, this is, you know, when someone says, well, how do you know, or what makes you think that? Boom, right there. Christ died, and when he died, through my confession, you know, repentance and all that, I've entered into that death with him. And just as he was resurrected, now I too shall be resurrected. Because the scripture says that he lives in me and I live in him. That's, that's how it works. So, in other words, it's not this mystical pie in the sky, some sort of little mystic theology. No, it's it's based on something. You know, this is how how redemption works. This is how Christianity works. This is this is basic Christianity. So again, baptism means changed. So, you know, we are changed from death into life. That's what the baptism is. Because again, when we hear the word baptism, the first thing we 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 think about is uh, is water. But there's actually four baptisms in the Bible. Who wants to take a shot at it? The four. The four baptisms. Fire, water. I was thinking the same so, thing. So, water, fire, earth, and wind. <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking. I'm thinking Avatar. No. Avatar. <laughs> Two out of four. No. Passion, yeah, earth, wind, Not and fire. fire. <laughs> the younger generation wouldn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> water, baptism. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, and something else. 
What is the first one you said? Confession, right? She said confession. What does confession mean? It means um, accepting Jesus Christ. Receiving Pro- Jesus Christ as Lord. So profession, pro- professing. Yeah, so what it's, okay. What's, what's the first thing that has to happen in salvation? What, what, what did John the Baptist preach? He preached the baptism of repentance. So that's the first one. So again, it means change. So there's baptism. Then what comes after repentance? Confession. That's where you're baptized, you're baptized into Christ, what we're talking about right now. He died, we died with him, we will be raised with him. Uh, and then the next one is water, baptism. And then the last one is, you see they refer to the baptism of fire or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Same thing, Acts chapter 2. That's the four baptisms. And then I have a fifth one. So to the Asian, you see you baptizing fashion because... No. Wrong. Heresy. <laughs> Cut the tape off. <laughs> no. So those are the four baptisms. But again, when we think of baptism, we normally just think of water. But there's four actual changes that, that, that go on there. So again, it's 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 repentance, uh, baptism into Christ for eternal life, water baptism, and then there is baptism of fire or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So... Uh, and then verse 5 of that, you know, Jesus is the first of the resurrected. You know, we have down there again. That's our antecedent. That's our biblical antecedent. You have to have a biblical antecedent to be able to have justification in anything in the Bible. In other words, you have to have something to point to that says, this is why I do this. This is why It's biblically sound. Because this is what God has said. This is what God has done. And now I'm aligning with that. So without his resurrection, we there would be no justification in saying we'd be raised from the dead. None whatsoever. So this is the justification here. And then it all says we are no longer slaves to sin. I'm going to get into that a little bit later, that word slaves, what it means, and when he says well, we're slaves to sin. I'm going to break that down in a little bit. So any questions on that, on the baptism change there? We're good? Okay, verse uh, 7 to 12. For he has died, for he has died, is freed from sin. So in other words, we died with Christ, right? That's what, because that's part of our confession. For he who has died is freed from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, in other words, having said all of that, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lusts. In other words, he's saying we're no longer slaves to sin, but that means I have to check me. I have to look at myself because I'm born into sin. I have still have a sin nature. 
Just because I've been forgiven doesn't mean I can't sin again. I am not made sinless. That's like saying, Jesus died for my sins and he wiped them away so I'm no longer guilty. No, I'm guilty. That's why he died. I'm guilty. You know, so sometimes, again, some people say, oh, Jesus takes my sins away. No, he doesn't take your sins away. He died for your sins. It's a theological point. And uh, I understand what you're saying, but there's a theological point there that we're still sinners, we're still capable of sinning. So does this change our sin nature? Absolutely not. We are still, that's that's a struggle. And that's where, you know, uh, the whole part of the uh, New Testament. If all of those guys were now sinless, then the New Testament wouldn't need to be written because they were messing up in the New Testament, right? That's why he's writing it to them. He says, oh, you foolish Galatians, you know, you're you're messing up. You didn't get saved this way. Now you're doing something else. You're you're so you know it's it's uh, uh, we're now able to look at ourselves, and then the other side of it is that we have God's law to show us the standard that we must try to adhere to: his moral, social, uh, governmental laws, and uh, laws to priesthood, laws, laws to worship, uh, things like that. So there's this oneness with God. So when the Bible talks about, and, and Jesus talks about, you know, especially in the Gospels, that if you're in me and I in you, we are one with God. Yes, through our confession, we now become one with God. And uh, Diego preached on it. I think it was in the last men's meeting. He did the Shema, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Here, Israel, for the Lord our God he is one meaning we are one with God, says that in the Old Testament, but that's also what it says in the New Testament, it's just brought through the cross. Now we're one through Christ, his work. That makes us one with God, and that's what he's saying here. There's still that oneness with God, that we are one with God. So again, basic theology doesn't change our sin nature, but we are now in a better position to overcome that sin and not be slaves to it. Because before, our our sin nature took over. That's what was driving us, right? Uh, and, and that's why when I do the, the little picture of the, of the, uh, of the worldview, well, I'm just going to do it again and again and again and again. It goes around and comes around. But the Christian worldview is a straight line, definite beginning, definite end. So I leave that which was behind because of the cross. I uh, now leave that sin behind and I walk in the newness of God. Whereas the worldview is here, I'm just going to do it over and over and over again. That's just the way things are, that's just the way it goes. It goes around and comes around. There's no relief in that, there's no way out. Here, there's a way out, and it's through the cross but it's on the journey, right? It's like Abraham. It's on the journey. You have to leave where you were and go to the new. That's the story of Abraham. Thoughts, questions on that? Okay. Now, verse 13. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God 
as those alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. I'm going to read the rest of it in a second, but I want to pause it right there. That sin is no longer master over us, because before, when we were in our old way of life, sin was master over us. It controlled us. You do it to me, I'm going to do it back to you. It goes around, comes around. Uh, 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 I'm going to repay you, you know, for what you did. Um, you you did that to me. Well, watch what I'm going to do. You're going to be sorry you did that because I'm going to do this kind of thing. And uh, uh, there's no way out of that. But see, what that does is that controls us. Where it's like a, a person that enters into a, a lifestyle of sin. Once they enter into it, then they become entrapped in the inside of it and it becomes master over it but it's here we're leaving it we're leaving it at the cross and we're moving forward it doesn't mean that we're uh, can't sin anymore we can but we can be forgiven but the point is that we're no longer bound and what he's saying is that change your thinking like he says later on he says renew your mind because we have to renew our mind that I'm no longer that person because if I don't renew my mind to it, then I become that person again. Because if we have a, say if we get saved when we're 30, uh, we now have 30 years of of this, conforming us to something. And now all of a sudden, we have to walk this line. And if we're not careful, and if we don't study if we don't know what God says, if we're not renewing our mind to what he said, it's easy to slip back to that because the old life is comfortable. It's like an old pair of shoes, right? It's comfortable because we know how to operate in it. As bad as the world is, and this is the scary part for some people when they come into the church, they know how to operate in the world. They know how to operate in sin. They don't know how to operate in righteousness. See, that's our job to teach how you operate in righteousness. That's what church is all about. That's what Bible study is all about. That's what fellowship is all about. That's what meditation in the Word, uh, reading the Bible is all about. It shows us how uh, to walk as godly men and women and uh, follow what God is saying. He said, verse 14, For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. In other words, don't forget that free gift that Christ died for you. Someone died for you. And uh, I think sometimes, again, in Christianity, if we're not careful, we take the cross too lightly. You know, it's what uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, uh, who's a theologian uh, during World War II. He called it cheap grace. And what he meant by that was, he says that the way we act is that we don't really understand what God did. We don't really understand the power of the work on the cross. We don't really behold it, and we end up living our lives in in cheap grace. It's like somebody that never earned any money at all, and all of a sudden everything's given to them. Well, what are they going to do? They're just going to spend, 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 because they, like they used to say, you don't know the value of the dollar. You didn't earn it, so you're just going to blow it. And that's what happens. You know, there's a lot of people, they gain a lot of money, you know, it happens all the time. These these 
basketball, football guys, whatever, two years later, they're, they're busted, but they were making millions a couple of years before. And now all of a sudden they're busted. They have no money. Uh, is it, they, did, they didn't know how to handle that. And so we have to learn how to handle our salvation. We have to learn how to walk as believers. We have to learn how to uh, uh, become Christians and not be controlled by the old sin nature. So on to verse uh, 19, verse 15. But then, what then, question? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? May it never be. So again, he's kind of repeating what he said before. He said, you know, so just because we're not under the law, which means when he says under the law, he's talking about all the sacrifices that they had to do in the temple. He's not talking about what the law actually says. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not uh, have bear false witness, do not have any gods before. He's not saying you do away with that. What you're doing away with is all those uh, uh, um, temporal uh, uh, sacrifices. Now we have an eternal sacrifice through Jesus Christ. One time for all, the final sacrifice. But the law still convicts us. The law still guides us. The law still shows us the right way to go. So, uh, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? In other words, God's free gift. He says, may it never be. He says, don't even think about it. May it never be. Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you were slaves to sin, you become obedient from the, from the heart to the form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms, talking about slave, I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh, for just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. Now, what he's saying is, if you look at Romans chapter 1, and this is the way Paul's letters all begin, he says, Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ. That's the same language as the word slave. It means bond servant. So when we hear the word slave today, we think of, you know, the horrible things that were, were, were done to people of color, uh, you know, way back when, slave trading and all this other other stuff. And, and uh, uh, you know, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about a bond servant that you are now serving it. It's like when we lived our life in sin, we were, we were bond servants to sin. We were slaves to it. We just didn't realize it. He says, now that you're no longer slaves to that, become slaves, become a bondservant, as Paul recognizes himself. I am a bondservant of Jesus Christ. So now my identity changes. I'm no longer uh, in the world of the world. I, am now li- I now live for Christ. I am now in the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. I am now changed through my baptism, through my confession, 
through the work on the cross, through what God so loved me, he sent his only begotten son. And so, bond servants to righteousness. So again, change your thinking. You are now a servant. And again, slave in the Bible, for the most part, where it's talking about uh, slavery. There was slavery in, in biblical times, but for the most part in the New Testament, where they're talking about slaves, they're talking about bond servants, someone that was working off a debit, or someone said, I will work for you for X amount of years for your daughter, or I will work for you uh, for X amount of years for whatever. You were actually part of the family. You weren't, you didn't live and you weren't whipped and beaten and all that other stuff. You were part of the family. You were part of the fabric of, of, of that household. It's not that what we consider to be slavery. It's a bond servant, something that you willingly did. You had a contract with someone and you worked it off. And so he's saying, look at yourself that way. You were a slave over here. Now just change your thinking and become a slave here. And so that's why Paul always identifies himself as a bondservant. And he even says it in other places. It's, it's more literal. He says, I am a slave to Christ. I am a slave to the gospel. Right? Become a slave to the gospel. Uh, so we're now under grace, which is God's favor. Whereas in the Old Testament, every year they had to do sacrifices that were, uh, it didn't really save, they were temporal. Uh, but now uh, we are able to uh, uh, live in grace. You know, and he says there that, verse 19, I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. See, we're weak. And what he's saying here is that the flesh is weak. Now, what we have is, mind a body which is also referred to as flesh and I have a soul which is also a human spirit sorry our inner man so if any two of these are in are in agreement, that's the way you're going to go. So in other words, the flesh is weak. This is what he's saying. It's weak. This is going to be strong because this has been renewed. It's by God. Right? So now this is where the battle reigns in here. And this is why he says renew your mind because once your mind gave way to the weakness of sin, now let your mind give way to the strength in your baptism and how you've been changed. Change your mind to that thinking. So if any two of these are in agreement, that's where I'm going to go. So in other words, I'm driving down the road and I see a Krispy Kreme. My body's going to say, yeah. And where's the battle? It's not a spiritual warfare here. The battle's going to be in the mind. Right? I, my mind is going to say, well, you shouldn't have it. And then the mind's going to say, but yeah, you know, you haven't had one in a long time. Right? So what's going to happen? 
Yeah, exactly. You're gonna go over there because this is this is weak. The the mind, the I mean, the body, the flesh. This is why he says it's weak. It always wants a good time. It wants pleasure. So that goes to here. That's why the world always wants what? Pleasure. Wants a good time. And so sin is weak. I mean, the body is weak. And so he says, therefore, you're going to have to change your thinking and align yourself here because the body, as weak as it is, is going to fade away. What's going to live in eternity? This. Right here. So this is what happens. And so that's the battle that we face. And if we don't understand that, uh, then what happens is, if we're not strengthening ourselves here through the Word, and, you know, Bible study, and, and, and fellowship, and church, and, and whatever it might be, in service, uh, this, this gets stronger. If we're not doing that, then this voice becomes less. And this voice begins to take over. And now your mind is going back and forth. It's like the old cartoon. Good guy on this side, devil on this side. Well, you can do this, you can't do that, you can do this. That's what goes on here. It's a, it's a spiritual deal. And so this is what you would be saying here. So any two of those, we're, we're, we're mind, body, and spirit, or soul, flesh. Uh, any two that are in agreement, that's the way you're going to go. So better to renew your mind on a daily basis here. That way this won't take over. Because what happens is you have the Krispy Kreme on Monday and then you go on Wednesday and then you go on Saturday and next week you're going to be there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, right? And that's food. But what if it's something really harmful? Not that Krispy Kreme isn't harmful, but I mean something spiritually harmful. You know, we're into something, you know, really bad, some sort of sin. Uh, so thoughts on that. Does that make sense? That's how we are. Um, so any two of those in agreement, that's the way you're going to go renew your mind to the things of God because that's what our, our spirit is. That's what's been reborn. So that wants God will always want God. Close the chapter out with this, verse 20 to 23. For when you were slaves to sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. In other words, there was no righteousness. You were just slaves to sin. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things from which you are now ashamed? So in other words, he says, now, all of a sudden, you look at your sin and those things, and now you're ashamed, right? We do that. We look and say, I can't believe I used to do that. I can't believe I used to live like that. That's a good thing because now you're recognizing, you know, the danger there. The danger is if you don't see that that lifestyle is danger, then you just continue in it, right? Therefore, what benefit, verse 21, what benefit were you then deriving from things from which you are now ashamed? For the outcome of those things is death. So that outcome of a, of a life of sin, a life of pleasure, is death. Right? There's no way out. There's no way out. Here, through Christ, we're on our way 
to eternity. Right now we're in the early stages of eternity. Verse 22. But now having been freed from sin and enslaved to God. So notice, you're free from one thing, but now you should be a bondservant to the other. You don't want to you don't you don't want to be over in here. And this is the nominal Christian. Right? In name only. This is the one that's never fully committed, identifies with Christianity because it might be profitable, because maybe a spouse or somebody in the family, they're all Christians and you go to church with them and you want to be identified. But there's been no change in your, your real heart. You know, on the weekend or whenever, you're you're back over here. But you're, you know, this here, you're, you're still over here. Because you're not committed to this road over here. Verse 22, but now having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit. Notice the benefit. You derive your benefit resulting in sanctification. So in other words, once we fully leave this and come over here, and now we're on in the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, uh, that's sanctification. We are now sanctified through Christ. That is how, you know, we are now made righteous through Christ. And then the and it says, and then the outcome of that sanctification is eternal life. Right? So leaving this, dying to the sin, dying with Christ on the cross, you are now free from sin, you are now born again, and you are now on the road to eternity. And again, sometimes Kingdom of, of, of heaven, kingdom of God. Matthew calls it the kingdom of heaven. The other gospels call it the kingdom of God. And the difference is there really is no difference other than the fact that Matthew is written to Jewish believers first. That was the first audience. And they do not pronounce the name God. So that's why he uses the term kingdom of heaven. Written to Jews. That's like even today... Uh, a devout Jew who will spell God. They don't, but, but they don't do that because they feel uh, not worthy enough, in a sense, to approach God. We're not even worthy enough to pronounce His name. Okay, and so uh, uh, um, that's why they'll do that. They they won't even spell it. You'll see you'll see that in some manuscripts if it's a Jewish thing. It'll, it'll be that. If they're Reformed Jew, yeah, they'll, they'll put the O in there. They don't care. But the more devout Jew won't pronounce the name of God. So the other ones are not speaking originally to a, Jew, a Jewish audience. They use kingdom of God. Of God. And there's no difference. You can't take God out of heaven anymore. You can take heaven out of God. It's the same thing. A lot of times people want to debate, well, what's the difference? There's no difference. That's why you, that's why you do... When you, you, you do... Uh, uh, Critical, the critical study that CS as in CS Lewis. When you, when you do critical study, you have to you have to understand number one who's the original audience. Because if you understand the original audience, then you're going to better understand the questions, the response, the problems, the concerns, and then the manners and customs. If you don't understand the original audience, you're you're going to lose a lot, as they say in the translation. So the result of having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, the outcome is eternal life. 
That's a doctrine statement right there. Bam. Boom. And then this passage of scripture that we hear all the time, notice the context. Verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So that small little statement right there is what he just spent the last chapter and a half saying. That's that's the nugget right there. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift, the grace from God, is eternal life. Key there, in Christ Jesus. In other words, in the work of the cross. You cannot take Jesus Christ out of Christianity and have Christianity. So you can take Buddha out of Buddhism, you can still have Buddhism. You can take Confucius out of Confucius or whatever, you can still have that. You can take even Allah out of Islam, you can still have Islam. But you cannot take Christ out of Christianity and still have Christianity because it's the atoning work on the cross that makes Christianity Christianity. Not the sayings and the teachings. It's the work. And we enter into the work. And this is what he's saying here. That we enter into the completed work when he's on the cross. It's finished. The work is finished. That's what we enter into. And uh, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, who is our Lord. Again, uh, doctrine statements there in verse 22 and verse 23. Uh, Wages of sin is death. But the free gift, again, is grace. So we are saved by grace alone. We, 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 we don't earn it. We don't deserve it. We can't manufacture it. It's something that out of God's love, God so loved us, he gave. And therefore, if we're willing to understand why he gave and what he's asking of us, and we do what he's asking us to do, the result is we leave death, we leave sin, and now we enter eternal life. And that's our justification and our sanctification as believers in Jesus Christ. Make sense? Questions, thoughts, comments? That's just solid Christian theology. Right there. That's Christianity 101. But again, when you're when you're not teaching that and you're teaching about, well, God's going to give you whatever you want and you need this and God's this and, you know, uh, you know, Martin Luther King said, you know, we've turned Jesus into a cosmic bellhop. You know, Jesus, get me this. Jesus, I need this. Jesus, Jesus. Rather than understanding all of this stuff, now it puts us in a, in a, in a place of gratitude it puts us in a place of humility. It puts us in a place of understanding. It puts us more in a place now of being able to apply uh, the scriptures instead of trying to live in here and live in both worlds. You, you, you can't do it because you've never committed to this, so you're still in that. Even if you think you're not living in there, you still are. So, um, solid stuff in Romans. So, next week... Uh, we in chapter 7, where he goes a little bit more into the law and sin. Uh, we'll go through that and then again chapter 8, 9. But again, it's just good, basic, solid Christianity. So once you get you get Romans, you'll get Christianity solid. And then, what I mean by that is all the doctrine statements, all the belief 
factors, uh, the, the non-negotiables. Because again, there are things that are negotiable. You know, if you want to sit down during praise and worship, that's negotiable. That's up to you. Your legs hurt, sit down. You know, that's not going to affect your salvation. You want to raise one arm or two arms and no arms. You know, that's that's not. Uh, you, God knows what's in your heart. You know, but as as far as who Christ is, who God is, what God has done, those things are non-negotiable. And again, theology: Who is God? What is He doing? And where am I in relationship? to who he is and what he's done. We good? Thoughts, questions? Let's close with prayer. Lord God, again, we thank you for the Apostle Paul and the wisdom that you imparted in him through the Holy Spirit, Lord. We thank you, God, that you so loved us, you sent your only begotten Son to save us, Lord, from our sin, Lord. But you also sent people like the Apostle Paul to write under unction of the Holy Spirit the scriptures, Lord, as you wrote, as James wrote and Peter wrote and John wrote and Matthew and Mark and Luke and all the Old Testament prophets, the authors there, Lord, that you gave us your word so that we would know, so that we would see, that we would understand, that we would be able to comprehend the length and the depth and the and the, and the width of, of what you are doing, Lord. And so, Father, I just thank you, Lord, that as we continue to contemplate your word, you continue to open our eyes to see, your ears to hear, and our heart to receive what it is that you have for us, Lord. So, Father, we just thank you for this time, Lord, and we ask you just continue to strengthen our walk in you, Lord, and that we draw closer and closer to you uh, day by day, and that we are constantly in a place of renewing our mind to the scriptures, renewing our mind to what you have done, Lord, and that we leave our past uh behind, acknowledging, Lord, that we are still capable of sinning, Lord, but we are now destined, uh, not for wrath, but we are destined for life through Jesus Christ and eternity with you in heaven. In this we give you thanks and praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. God bless. See you all next week. Have a good week.